This is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. Interiors. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend Jill Brown as we chat about what makes vintage so special. Welcome to A Guide to Luxury, Season 2. So Jill, the person that I thought would be best to talk to about all things vintage is a woman that I chased down the street 12 years ago and the street in question was Princess Street and she was wearing this incredible outfit, big leopard print coat, her hair was like brighter than the sun, red at the time and I had to get a picture of her for my Edinburgh Evening News column and this is how we became friends. So I legged it after this woman and accosted her in the middle of the street and her name is Meryl Brown. And all these years later, she still never managed to, to shake me off. I'm still chasing her about the place, making her be my friend. So Jill, welcome to Meryl to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. I feel like I'm letting the side in on your friends with brightly coloured hair. I feel like I really need to get involved in that. Like my everybody we chat to's got great hair, minus me. <laughs> my hair is looking terrible at the moment in lockdown, though. I, Meryl, I'm actually really impressed because I haven't seen you, and we're we're on camera just now, and you've got you've got a little frosty tip uh, situation going on. It's what it's working. It's, it's good. Well, How did you do it? It was actually it was. Red, it was red and green for Christmas. Nice. And now it's gone sort of blue. I'm not sure why, but you know, hey ho, it's here. Blue, blue then, January. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thought I'd be back in the salon before now. <laughs> <laughs> not so much. Well, so, so Mary, what you don't know is I went into lockdown one with a platinum pixie cut, and that is not an exaggeration. I went. Seriously? That's exactly what. Yeah, and now I've got like. An ombre. Wow, <laughs> yeah, I can see you in that. <laughs> because of the, uh, the old rootage. So, yeah, God. it's been a protest. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember um, I remember you chasing me, Lynn, and my husband remembers as well, because when I said, Lynn, it's Lynn, <laughs> Lynn, from, oh, the, the one that chased you down the street for the evening news. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's the one. That's how I make friends. I just chase people. <laughs> Run after. So, can you give give the rest of us some context as to why you were accosting poor Meryl? Oh, street? sorry. Okay, so I, I I thought that this was I thought that this was a, a known thing. Um, so I used to do this um piece that was attached to my style column, which was I would take pictures of people that were in the street, and it was called Capital Catwalk. And sometimes you would get loads of people. And then other times there would be, you know, nothing in the street. So when you got an absolute belter, like the day that I saw Meryl, I wasn't letting her go. And so I, I honestly, like Linford Christie, ran at her. <laughs> Grabbed it her. Like, I think it was at a crossing. I think I was yep, waiting was. to cross. And then I just saw you coming towards me. And I, I, I didn't know you, but I knew that you, you know, I kind of knew your face from the, the media because obviously 
being a journalist as well then mm-hmm. you know and it was kind of okay <laughs> what's this but yeah I do remember that quote as well and I, and I actually sold that quote on at a vintage fair and I do regret it sellers regret yeah metal you silly bugger that was a better it was a it, it was a it was a classic leopard print, you know. So when you, when you think of of how the the perfect leopard print coat, it was that great length, really good collar, great. Uh, sorry for making you sad. I'm sorry. I'm not making this any better for you. you know, I, remember, I I know who I sold it to, so it's fine because I know that she used to work in a vintage shop in Glasgow. So, um, Mr. Ben. So I don't mind that she bought it, and I hope I'm sure that she still has it, or if she passed it on, she would have given it to someone equally as intervened. You know, it won't it won't be in a dump somewhere. So yeah. that's a good thing. Well, that's important. So that that's how our um, friendship came to be. But what I rapidly learned from you was a whole number of stuff, and the most interesting parts of it is that you are probably the biggest vintage head that I know. And having done this book 10 years ago, saying that is 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 quite an achievement. You 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 scour the globe for it. One of your favorite places to go is Milan, um, to see your brother. But you would send me pictures of these places yeah. that you'd be like in mountains of clothes. It's amazing. The Euro shop the Euro shop in Milan. Well I called it that. It was a sort of strange little I don't know what you'd call it, a thrift shop, I suppose, because it, it was like some sort of local charity um, hospice or something, I think. I'm not entirely sure. It was my husband's uncle who lives in Milan as well that took me there the first time, and it was quite, um, yeah, kind of hyperventilated because everything was a euro, essentially. <laughs> but I, and it was wow. kind of like it was just piles and piles of clothes, but they were just, you just had to look for colour or print or texture and pool yeah and amazing things came out they also had homewares and they had quilts to die for piles of quilts and blankets but I couldn't really bring any home at the you know when I went over it was kind of limited luggage yeah no easy jet and would and not thought, have been your friend yeah I mean you'd have had to go I mean you know if I was more of a serious seller I would have obviously gone um with a van <laughs> But then I felt like I was always sort of robbing them slightly as well because it was so cheap and it was for a, you know, I kind of get that feeling in charity shops when you, you know, I love charity shops and I buy a lot of stuff, but I always feel a bit guilty if it's a real bargain, especially if I want to sell it. Because, you know, I gave a, um, a charity shop in Dunai Road once um, extra money because they they had a depression glass, pink t- um, tea set, cups, saucers, of um, milk and sugar which is really rare I didn't really know this I just thought it was quite pretty I was kind of you know I thought it was about 1930s got a bit excited and it was the price on it was £2.50 for the whole wow. thing and I thought I can't give them that it's too you know it's far too little because it so I gave them a little bit more and then I, I realized it was worth a lot more than that. I've never sold it though it's because it's so pretty so I mean that's my problem I was never a really very good vintage seller because I just all and I was I was talking with another vintage seller on Instagram this morning about how we used to I used to sell at vintage fairs when I sold clothes and I used to just price things up that I didn't want to sell so that I knew that no one <laughs> you know I you're right that's the opposite like, of business 
That's yeah, the opposite. Yeah, really bad business skills. Like, you know, I, I was, I, I still have a couple of dresses that, I've got a mannequin anyway, Dolores, so she wears these nice dresses because they don't fit me, but I could never, you know, I didn't want them to, and sometimes I would see people and think, no, I don't want you to buy this. You know, it was terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? When you've got this, this absolute treasure, doesn't matter if yeah. you can't wait it like you've got this treasure and you think actually to the, to the person buying it because yeah I suppose you are the custodian of that piece and if you don't That's think the person it. buying it deserves it it's a terrible judgment to make but sometimes you could just you know I don't know I just felt it was intuition I could tell I was like I don't really think that you're going to look after this dress in the right way or you know it was I, I know a vintage seller who had a shop in Glasgow who sort of got very irritated by people trying stuff on a lot of the time as well and she used to say to people you know she used to diplomatically say vintage sizes are a lot smaller than than the modern new. sizes than you are you know and because she said that quite a few times people would try stuff on and then just burst zips and then oh. bring it back out and you know and these were really nice old vintage pieces as well not your 80s stuff that you know fair enough it's not quite as covetable you know it's it's, it's easier to get hold of so there was a, a few dresses I, I had in a pile of stuff that I was selling in fairs that were 50s gorgeous prom style 50s dresses and I did price them in ridiculous prices but then I did sell them one of them and I remember to someone who genuinely wanted to pay that price as well because for them it was you know it was, it was worth it because it that's the thing I mean you know in terms of what is luxury what is luxury to one person it's all relative isn't it in terms of your own your own means of life you know yeah. I think at the moment in a pandemic luxury means such different thing as well the smallest thing is a luxury you know and yeah. we're taking time to to know that and I think with with vintage stuff it's not always the the price or the cost it's just the history or the story or whether you collect that certain thing or it reminds you of someone or something from your past you know or I would always see people and think oh I don't know if you really appreciate this <laughs> you know and then other people would it's a funny thing because selling on a stall at a vintage fair is quite strange because people come in who are vintage fans and then people just come in like they're coming into browsing a shop mm-hmm. so you get the different you know you get the comments of 60 quid what else do you want to pay you know they don't don't get it and then you got other people who are like would give you twice that for it yeah yeah you're you're right about that that definition of luxury and that's that's something that jill and i discuss all the time that yeah luxury changes and and particularly you're right in that vintage setting that because i'm the same as you i love i love both of it i love going in and getting my hands dirty in flea markets and charity shops and but i also completely understand the art of curation when someone has has invested in a shop and they've invested in stock and they've invested their time to find these incredible things and that's why that dress costs 200 pounds or a thousand pounds or whatever it is exactly there's a lot of um, components that make up a price so you know it's it's yeah it's what you're paying for your your business property or your web hosting or whatever you know all of that taken into account and then yeah going and finding the piece and and then just yeah what you value it at and what you think people will pay I mean there's overpriced stuff as well of course there is but that might just be people like me not wanting to sell it yeah you're, no you're you're right so uh, Jill um some fun facts about Meryl she has interviewed Kylie Minogue 
mm-hmm. Barbara Windsor. Who else have you interviewed? Oh so, so this this is the one of my uh, most illustrious uh, journal mates. I I mean, it was quite a long time ago that I used to do showbiz stuff, and it's really funny because people say, "Who have you interviewed?" And I go, "Oh my god, I can't remember." And then I see people on telly and go, "God, yes, I, I spent the day with them. I forgot about that. Quite <laughs> bizarre. There's <laughs> a lot. It was a, it was a period of time at the Daily Record where it was quite intense. Went to London sort of four times a week, sometimes up and down in a day. It was it was it was hard work, but it was quite fun. Ray Winston, he was fun. Oh, did, you, did you did you spend the day with him? I spent a, a good hour or so with Ray Winston, and he he basically slagged me off for being a drunk Scot, which was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he's had this obsession with drinking with Scottish beer. Lot you could drink. I was like, this is quite a strange because I had a I had a Coca Cola, and he was convinced it had whiskey in it. It must have whiskey in it because I was. <laughs> Because he'd been out with Bobby Carlyle in a pub in Glasgow and he'd got very, very drunk very quickly because he uh-huh. said, you lot don't finish a drink before that, you know, you get another round in when you've got half a glass left. That's that true. was a strange one. And, and then I, I interviewed quite a lot of soap stars and pop stars and TV stars that I can vaguely remember. I interviewed a TV Who star. Who was the best? I think, I don't know. Kylie Minogue was really fun because I was a fan as well and she was quite, yeah. a, you know. And she swore as well, which was quite funny. So much <gasps> like tequila and that, you know, kind of. What word thing. did she could say? You, I could never imagine Kylie Minogue swearing. Yes, the main swear word. Yeah. Did she say fuck? She said fuck. <gasps> she actually, because it, it took me a long time to get to London that day because it was during the festival in Edinburgh. And there was no flights, and we tried. We'd scheduled this interview with her because she was doing interviews for the launch of her new album, and she did spinning around when she sort of made that comeback in the hot pants. I had to go from Glasgow to Edinburgh, and then I had to go from Edinburgh to Luton on EasyJet, and then I had to get a train from Luton into London, and then I had to go across London to the hotel. And it took me about. So I had to get a taxi from Glasgow through and it took me about five hours in total when I got there. I was like, I had to get there for half nine or something. I was absolutely knackered. And uh, of course, PR told her and then she just said, that's when she said, she says, you just you just can't be fucking bothered, can you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's like, and then I kind of laughed because I was like, oh, she swore, oh my God. <laughs> and Kylie, I would I would cross double the amount of time know, for just, you. Like, yeah. I would have, yeah, exactly. I would have slept out all night. Oh, how sad to get this interview. But it was, she was like really nice. But there was loads of really nice celebrities, and then there was loads of absolute no marks. And it was almost a bit like the bigger the celebrity, the more the nicer they were, and then the sort of low rent. You know, <laughs> thankfully, I stopped doing showbiz before the influx of reality TV because I think that would have just pushed me over the edge. Because <laughs> I had to, <laughs> I had to interview a couple of original Big Brother stars. I remember, and that was just yeah. that was your exit. I think that was it. I was like, that's enough. For that. So what? Tell me. I've never asked you this before, and we've have decades of friendship. What mm-hmm. What was your introduction into vintage? The vintage. I mean, I was thinking about that earlier, and don't really recall um, when exactly I or why. It's mm-hmm. a funny thing. I was trying to think about this. I, there are photos of me from my in my maybe my nineteenth birthday and that's a long time ago so you know with a vintage top on and stuff so obviously I was I was buying it and I remember going to Armstrong's in Edinburgh because that's the place that in Edinburgh everybody went and my mum remembers going to Armstrong's because they were the I mean they were the rag and bone you know she remembers going into the shop when it was down St Stephen Street was the original one wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I always kind of liked 
different things. So maybe that's where it came from because I didn't want to wear the same stuff as other people. Yeah. I wanted to find stuff that was different. And my friends and I then, when I was early, early 20s, we shopped in Armstrong's and this stuff all the time because we went clubbing. And actually her, her um, partner, who she's not with now, years later, not surprisingly, he used to walk behind us and say, I'm not walking beside you, Pierre, because you're wearing dead people's clothes. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> we would appear with these we were quite into like bright shirts at the time you know those 70s dagger shirts and stuff mm. we used to travel into that kind of thing and go with hot pants and you know and and he he was it was a really strange partnership and they were both really nice people but he was more of a Ben Sherman guy you know and mm. it was quite an odd an odd sort of pairing and she's still to this day I'm still friends with her I mean I'm still friends with him as well but he lives in America it's, you know it's, he's he's went one way and she's she stayed the same sort of you know she she was really into vintage stuff so I suppose with her we used to go to a lot of charity shops and finds and yeah I mean I always used to just want things that weren't the same as high street stuff and I suppose when I was a student in part it was money as well because you know you could it wasn't as pricey then as sometimes it is now but mm -hmm. you can always find stuff you know I no, think you definitely can even in Armstrong's you can find like really good stuff I mean I've I've bought stuff recently in there I mean recently you know whenever that was before <laughs> in the pandemic but I, like five quid jumpers and stuff if you rummage around and find them you know it's not nothing not, not everything is overpriced in lockdown you have been mm. Finding solace in the online community. I didn't know. I didn't know that this existed. But you've been buying vintage on Instagram. Yes. So I I set up a thing myself on Instagram in 2018. I'd always I love it. Love Instagram. I was kind of early adopter. Love it visually. I mean, even as a writer, it's strange because I'm a writer, but I'd love the the visual thing and. And so I'd always done photo challenges. It's like people put posts and prompts and you follow the, you do a, a post that, you know, if the prompt says frosty, you take a photo that relates to that prompt. So I set one up for vintage, like, but with a vin called Meryl's Vintage Challenge. So for the vintage community that I imagined there was some of that out there on Instagram. And it's been, so 2018, I started it in February. And it's been amazing and it's actually created a nice little community of people and everybody sort of knows. I mean, a lot of these people knew each other because a lot of them in England that went to various vintage fairs together, but it's introduced lots of other people as well. So there's a hashtag that people follow. And then through that, they've all sort of started utilising Instagram as a selling platform, not an official selling platform through the Instagram shops, not always, but just doing like live Saturday night sales on the live stories going around their living room, their dining room where they set up all their vintage stock and people, you know, saying, oh, I'd like that dress or can I get more pictures, you know, or doing grid sales where they just put photos up of their stock and first to comment buys. There's a woman in Cornwall who's an amazing vintage shop that she's had to close, took a decision to close it in the, in the summer because of the pandemic and she sells stuff online on stories and it's, I mean, everything sells like instantly. <laughs> she sells mainly homewares and she sells a lot of vintage fabric sheets, amazing bright M&S flowery sheets. And she puts them all in a washing line, calls it her vintage washing line. And she does <laughs> oh, a photo a day and it's so cool. And they sell within seconds of being uploaded. It's incredible. It's just a really nice 
sort of group of folk. It's a really, you know, it's just really nice. It's like at vintage yeah. fairs in the flesh were always quite nice as well, like that. You know, people were always buying from each other's stalls. And, and then with the vintage challenge, people join in because the hashtags got quite, there's about 30,000 posts on the hashtags. It's quite a popular hashtag. So with people joining in, then they, you know, they take the benefit of people following that hashtag to then buy stuff. And a lot of stuff that gets posted on a day on my hashtag is sold by the end of that day. That's amazing. And do That's you know, incredible. It's so amazing, isn't it, Jill? Incredible. And just that way that people have adapted, you know, particularly yeah. now, it's just brilliant. Like, I, I mean, slightly different, but my mum goes around craft fair. She makes beautiful Christmas yeah. stuff. And my yeah. mum had her best year ever in yeah. December there because I think people had made the commitment to buy locally. Exactly. But she sold, my sister-in-law spent maybe a day beautifully photographing it all for my mum and mm-hmm. putting it on mm-hmm. Facebook but she had made about 500 quid. She made oh, more than she'd ever made before. And it's just quite incredible how people have just adapted. I think so. Because I do a bit of craft stuff as well. And at the last in the lockdown at the um, last year at the start, in the original lockdown, God, I can't believe we're calling it that, but <laughs> Lock, original lockdown, I was crocheting. I crocheted a, a rainbow because I was bored from this pattern with pom-poms on the bottom. And then I sold about 30 of them people kept ordering them from me and I was like oh my god like I I had lost a lot of actual writing work but I had no time anyway I'd spent I spent lots of days just crocheting away and yeah I've been agony yeah when my shoulder started to really like suffer but (laughs) but people were just yeah people have been buying so much online like I know I have been buying bits and pieces all the time but it's also just like I said about that thing where it's even the smallest thing at the moment, because we're not going anywhere. So when the parcel arrives and, you know, it might only have like a couple of little glasses or something, or, you know, a, a little handbag or something really small in it, it's like that you get really excited because it's it's just a little piece of something. And, and, and with the vintage stuff, it's all, you know, it's it's all that sustainability and recycling and all that stuff as well. And it's just really nice to... I mean, I buy far too much at times, obviously. Parcels coming in every day, husband going, what, what is in that box? And then he says, oh, I know it's one of your vintage boxes because it's not like a, a, a sort of, you know, it's a really mishmashed parcel. It's all taped <laughs> up with handwritten, you know, <laughs> of the seller. So it's not like a professional shop box. <laughs> well, that's good. That's perfect. Yeah, you're that's you're buying and helping the community. Yeah, it's just really, it's just, just nice to do and I sell bits and pieces as well because I put I sold a load of stuff in the summer I sort of went out in the sun and hung up clothes on the hedge with a really nice bright background on the privet hedge and then sold all these dresses within two days wow yeah it's adapted I mean I'm not you know I'm not one of these I'm certainly not one of the people that you know you sort of sort of oh well I think it's great that we do all this stuff online now I never want to go back that's not me you know it's like no no I want to go back I want to feel the vintage clothes and smell them and touch them and pick up the plates and you know I want to be in the fair and talk to the sellers and you know I, I want that but in the absence of that at the moment it's nice to have the ability to to still do a bit of vintage shopping if you like absolutely and feel like you're in a charity shop so Meryl you have Jill's about to lose her mind over what I'm going to to tell her you have a uh, pretty substantial Cindy doll collection. Yes. 
<laughs> tell us about Cindy. Cindy goes to Tyne Castle with you, which is the Hearts um, ground. She's yeah. banned, though. She got oh. banned by my friends, my male adult friends, who thought the doll had brought bad luck. Oh, no. <laughs> Have they given her a hoodoo? Yeah, basically. I remember, because we took her to London for a couple of Hearts games years ago as well, and I think one of them wanted to throw her in the Thames. <laughs> Men, very strange football, very tribal thing. Very because mm. I, I I was a football journalist for years at the start of my writing career. That's what I did. So I mean, I love football. And then yeah, I, I don't know why I decided to take a doll one day many years ago, knitted her little hearts outfit. Because I've always loved Cindy dolls. Because I used to make card. I mean, I still have. I have got a stationery shop on Etsy where I do cards with Cindy and sell them. And it's quite, it's, I saw quite a lot of that during the summer as well, actually. I've been on there for a couple of years, kind of sitting, and then, yeah, I went... There's something quite wholesome about Cindy, because I did, um, yes. I work in TV, and I did a mm-hmm. TV show just before Christmas about best-selling toys, and we had, like, mm-hmm. a Cindy and a Barbie and a right. Brat doll, and there's just something a bit nicer. She's very British, isn't she? Yes, because she, she was, she was Britain's, Britain's doll, and she's very... I think it's because she's got that big head and, and, and she's not a real proportion. She's a strange looking thing anyway. You know, but she is got... less strange looking than Barbie and definitely yes, less I... strange looking than exactly. a Exactly. I think that's the thing. If you look at, if people look at Barbie, they, they think that's a woman's proportions, but it's a weird, if you actually measure it, it's bizarre. Like Cindy's body proportions were probably much more normal and you know for a, a classic old school size 10 or whatever you wanted to have you know whatever the, the 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 format was but she just had this odd head but she always had a really nice face and her eyes although she always she did if you look at Cindy she's always given that side eye <laughs> I've got them all in the hall I don't know if I can carry you there do you them all. yeah the they're all on a shelf let's see if we can get behind me over the towel I do, I do love that. So Meryl does the best posts on Cindy. She gets like little outfits and ah. makes, makes me happy. Look at that one! My, oh my God, they are the most stylish Cindy dolls I have ever seen. They've got their own little shelf. Meryl, you've got one that's got pink hair. She's gorgeous. How many are there? It looks like there's like 30 Cindy dolls. Or yeah, less? there's... Yeah. There's about 26, I think. Wow. When we got the house renovated, that little shelf's a sort of... It was just kind of the way things were built in the hall with the stairs. And it's perfect for them. It's where they were meant to be. That's where they live, on this little shelf. But actually, there's loads of Cindy fans on Instagram as well. It's quite a a thing on there, too. No, I can imagine. There's she's a huge she's community a... of people. Well, that would be your sort of most people's introduction to fashion and clothes, isn't it? As you, well, exactly. You yeah. have a doll and that, that was, you can dress. And that was Cindy's uh, slogan. Hers was the doll you love to dress. Um, yeah, and she had, um, has amazing clothes. I've got some books that detail like all of the clothes. Some a couple of folks that are Cindy historians detail all the outfits and so incredible stuff. <laughs> Like absolutely amazing dresses and wonderful mix and match fashions from the seventies and brilliant colours. It just like covet the wardrobe. You have to. You're, I'm giving you your next um, Instagram vintage challenge, which is you're going to have to start 
dressing yourself and Cindy the exact the same. same. <laughs> I um I've got a swimsuit. I had a swimsuit a few years ago. I was actually about 10 years ago, went on holiday. And I always took the Cindy with me on holiday because I always like sort of putting her on the... Because I took her to Milan last year in a pandemic when I went to visit my brother in the summer for a weekend. And uh, I made a little mask for her <laughs> to sit on the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did. Uh, about 10 years ago, we went on holiday and I put my swimsuit on and then got the doll out and then realised the doll's swimsuit was the same as mine. Wow. The blue and white striped swimsuit. It was quite funny. I have a photo of it somewhere, the two of us. I also got stopped at the Duomo because I took um, Cindy into the Duomo at Milan and my, my bag and the, the security soldier essentially was like uh, looking looking at my bag. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> why? Why do you have a doll? And I was like, first of all, he said, why do you have Barbie? And I was like, it's not Barbie. Oh. <laughs> it's not a way like that. I was like, it's not Barbie. It's not Barbie. It's not Barbie and Rob's going, oh my God, man, the soldier's got a gun, you know, he's like, I was like, it's not Barbie. And he's like, what? He's like, why you have, I said, it's called Cindy, she's called Cindy. And he's like, okay, why have you have a doll? I was like, why not? I was like, I'm going to take it, she wants to go up to the top of the Duomo for a photo. And she's like, okay, in you go. We had a very hilarious situation when we were quite small where, uh, we were going on holiday. I think we were going to Ibiza and, you know, we were going through airport security and Liam, my brother, had his little rucksack on. He was maybe mm-hmm. four or five. And it went through and, like, it beeped. But loads of security people arrived. And my parents were like, what's going on? And it's because he'd put his Captain Scarlet car in the in the rucksack, but it was metal. It was like a little metal. I don't know what it was, but it was Captain Scarlet's, like, tank or something. But obviously, it looked in the extra yeah. like a grenade. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were like, oh. and my brother did exactly what you did. He was like, Captain Scarlet's tank. Like, yeah. what's what's the problem? Why is everybody? Ta-? My dad was like, I'm. I didn't yeah. realize that was in there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the guy was like, maybe next time, don't let your son pack his rucksack himself. <laughs> Sage advice. The last time I went to Italy, I had a, I had my bag. They stopped, they took it, and they said, oh, there's something in this pencil case. It looks like an arrow. I was like, what? They were like, it's like an arrow or a dart or something. I was like, it's a pen. And then they were like, well, can you open it and take it out? And it was a pen with a Hello Kitty head. (laughs) And the the Hello Kitty head looked like it was the the way it was lying, looked like the end of an arrow. Um. (laughs) I know. And Rob's going, can you just bring normal pens? Just normal pens? Leave the novelty pens at home when we're going abroad? You're like, it's Hello Kitty. There's an amazing guy on Instagram that I follow. I think he's called Vintage Barbie and Ken. But he's Mm -hmm. based in New York and he does these beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful pictures where he poses vintage Barbies and Kens. Or he recreates. So the one that I really want is he sort of recreated the breakfast at Tiffany pose, but in Barbie form. But they're really but he does really good like just when you're talking about the beach, he does really good beach ones or all the Barbies are lying on the beach with like their legs crossed up like this. And it's really cool. It's really cool. So that I've taken quite a few photos of Cindy on various beaches around the the world and and Rob's kind of you know, I'm like, I'm just going off over here to do a shoot with Cindy over here. He's like, yeah, no bother, knock yourself out. This comes like, from know. the women who would do um, <laughs> weekly shoots, week- weekly fashion shoots 
for um, national newspapers. Yeah. But Cindy was your was your go to gal for beachy fun, and much less much easier to handle than real models. <laughs> I hear that. Two week, two shoots a week. I was doing for the record that when I was a fashion editor at one point it was just like ah. Mel, are you kidding? Two a week? No, yeah. Two shoots a week. Two shoots, two full shoots a week, plus two pages on uh, two still live shoots and accessories and a clothes shot in the studio for a different page. It was full. Okay, that is madness. I did, I would do... Three years of that and yeah. Because it takes, to do one shoot, just in case anybody doesn't know, because we're we're now speaking a different language, aren't we, I suppose. To do one shoot, for me, uh, would take a pickup day, so you'd have to collect the clothes for each look. (laughs) I would, on average, have six outfits that I'd have to pull for. So you'd you'd be trolling for, you know, six outfits. Then the day of the shoot, which is a full-on like mm-hmm. you are exhausted. It's like you're doing yoga all day, isn't it? You know, you're having to yeah. be here, there and everywhere, style it and then put it together. Then you have to take the clothes back because nobody yeah. tells you about that stuff. No. So you have to do that. You have to take all the clothes back the next again day and then you need to write. So how the hell did you write on top of styling and So, I mean, shooting? it was crazy. I feel it was crazy then. I was doing two shoots plus accessories page plus a beauty column plus any other stuff they wanted at the... They work you hard in the tabloid daily newspaper. And now that minute. stuff just doesn't exist. Those pages don't no, exist. No, I mean, anymore. I know. It's, and it, I mean, it was brilliant because I did a few really nice vintage shoots. And do you remember the shop Saratoga Trunk? Yes. In Glasgow. In Glasgow. It's no well, longer I mean, there. It's definitely yep. a blooming warehouse. Because Kathy, she died quite a few years ago and her son took over, but I don't know what he did with it. I don't know whether it still exists or it's not. not it, doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. No. Because I remember so going in there to get some we were doing a sort of Miss Marple shoot with vintage tweed stuff in the for the Daily Record I know and they obviously were thinking what on earth is she doing now but you know it was always a bit out there for the paper <laughs> I did get that comment quite a lot like what is this <laughs> you know I left in the end when the editor said to me I just don't really get this because done shoot in New York with sort of Carrie Bradshaw eclectic mixed my god mixed I mixed colours you know I didn't match stuff you know <laughs> out there and he said um you know, I don't really think this is what young girls in Paisley are wearing on a Saturday night. And then I said to him, well, with respect, how often do you spend hanging out with young girls in Paisley on a Saturday night? Yeah. So that didn't go, go down that well. <laughs> Card was marked that it didn't stay at the record for too long after that. Um, and also this man had clearly not met Lynn McCrossan because no, that's exactly like, what she was wearing time back you know, on Saturday night. This man was so repressed in terms of style that he objected to the colour yellow in a jacket. He couldn't get his head around the fact that I'd put a model in a yellow jacket. It freaked him out. You know, it was like it was like something so because you know some people color just terrifies them. But I remember going to Saratoga Trunk for the vintage stuff, and that was like vintage mecca. It was incredible. I mean, it was unbelievable that place. It was like because I said to her tweed suits, and they were like, "Oh, come to this room." You know, not just this rail. It was like this room, and there were so many. It was almost <laughs> impossible. And then. Uh, I wanted some hats and th- there was a whole room the size of, I mean, just a massive room, like somebody's a normal sort of living room size times two full of hats and only hats. Wow. It was amazing. But she, I mean, that was vintage collecting to the, the hoarding extreme, you know, and I feel like a lot of the stuff was really nice, but a lot of it was, it was sort of abandoned a little bit and because there was so much, you know, when something takes over. 
it wasn't curated well. It was just kind of left to to rot away a lot of it. I just so I don't know what happened to all when she eventually when she passed away and he broke it down. But she had rooms of ho- like rooms and rooms of you know those crystal dressing table sets. You know the lovely glass dressing table sets. She literally had a room full of those. She was the kind of <laughs> the most crazy informed and knowledgeable vintage person I ever met in life I was really intimidated by her actually because she just knew you know she just knew so much about everything and I was kind of like oh my goodness isn't that funny though that the the definition of what what stops you at one point being a collector yeah and the other point being a hoarder you you've just used those words it's the same thing isn't it that I think my husband hoards books and he's like no I collect them no no No, this is a problem. This is not. A, this is yeah. not. Yeah, there's that. I, I suppose that. And the thing with vintage stuff is that you know people buy it in job lots or from house clearances and stuff. So you buy in bulk and then you fill it. You know, because I know that the other vintage store, Mister Ben, that is my favourite. I used to live around the corner from it. Essentially, lived in it for for ten years. And Mary Ann, she took the shop next door as well to use. So the original shop became the stockroom. Yeah. But it was yeah. like the size of the original shop and then had the shop next door as a shop. And because I knew her really well, I used to get, she used to go, oh, you can go in and have a wee rummage through there. And it would be in there like, oh, my God. No, Marianne is Marianne's amazing. But, she's absolutely but again, kidding. she used to say that she, she, she used to say sometimes that she felt she, she bought too much sometimes because she, you didn't know what you were going to get when you bought vintage and the, the, the fear of missing out on something amazing. And but the the, the the amazing thing about uh, Marianne is it, it, exactly that that she again going back to that rag and bone analogy you know she originally started at the Barras and we'll go on to that in the Glasgow section and obviously Mr Ben is one of my one of my yeah, yeah. things in the book it's amazing um mm. but yeah so, so she started off at the Barras and that's how it happened but so she is that classic coming oh, yeah. at it rag and bone going in house clearances and you know getting getting everything. And then how do you legitimately yeah. go, okay, no, I, I'll get rid of that bit. Because you're right, it's stock. You might need that exactly. in 10 years. And I think then if you work, like we worked as stylists and fashion editors, so you kind of hoard stuff as props. Yeah. And then even now, although I don't do that as a job, I because I do a lot of Instagram stuff, and I've got, you know, a reasonable amount of followers and I'm not an influencer, but I kind of like to do shots of that. But I like to have props for that as well. So kind of justifying all the purchases as props, you know. But yeah. that's... But Comes that it by me. Oh, but my favourite thing to do is hang out in her house. We, we had a wig day in like yeah, October. Great. But she had all her wigs out and she was like, do you want to try them on? And I was like, yes. Obviously. You just need things in case somebody... People would always say, I've got a party. You're bound to have something. And, I, and inevitably I'd go, oh, yes, just in this <laughs> box over here. And they go, why Why have you got that? Why do oh, you yeah. have these things? Lynn oh, has dressed God. me for every fancy dress party I go to. Meryl, the, the, the worst thing that I've done of late I have to stop doing this and I have now because Covid has has intervened um mm-hmm. I would go through Gumtree's free uplift stuff oh, right, uh-huh. for shoots right because this is really bad and Jill I've never told you this so you, I would go through Gumtree's free uplift so that you could be like all right well well uh, yes I need that three-piece sofa just in case we need a blah no you don't step away from it and I get talked out of things Jill will be uh, my uh, to vouch for this bravissimo the big booby yep. bra place. 
Mm-hmm. Trying to find the words to describe it, a lingerie shop would have been better. Lynn, mm-hmm. uh, there was there was this post for mannequins, and the girls were the girls were impeccable, like beautiful, yeah. and they weren't your average mannequin. They were gorgeous, and so I messaged them and I was like, "Hey, is there some mannequins?" And it was the manager of Bravissimo, and she was like, "Yeah, we've got loads. Do you want to come in? How many do you want?" So I'd just given birth to Ruben. So it was uh, he was like three or four months old, not even. And my husband was like, I am not driving you. I'm not, you're not, like, I'm not driving you. So how are you going to do it if I don't drive you? And I was freshly C-sectioned. I was like, you do not know me. You do not know me. I phoned my old boss who owed me a favor because he had a really, really big car. I was like, hey, can you come to Bravissimo with me so that I can pick up some giant mannequins? And he was like, oh man, okay, I do owe you for one favor. So I made him come with me. Jamie was raging because he was like, damn it, I thought I'd stumped her, yeah. I'd stopped her. <laughs> and I came back with eight mannequins that are dotted all around the house. And he was like, what are we going to do with eight giant titted birds kicking around the house? And now that we're in lockdown, he obviously is, is Skyping and Zooming from home. And he's like, get the big giant tits out of my shot. Like, you know, he's trying to have these really serious investors meetings. And oh, yeah, here's, totally. Here's a big naked doll behind him. Like Stellaris is from the 50s. She's an amazing mannequin. She lives in my office. So she's my husband's working in there. So that's his work colleague now. But he's moved her away from like, behind him. She, she actually looks like Claudia Winkleman when I've got her wig on. And Claudia Winkleman liked the Instagram post when I said that. So that was quite special. <laughs> oh, that is a moment. Well done. But yeah, I mean, I, I used to get shop fittings in as well years ago in Glasgow when I left Glasgow in 2009 to move back to Edinburgh in my attic in the house and my, my husband, it, these sort of predated me being with him. Mm-hmm. And we went up to clear the attic and he was just going, "What? why do you have plastic perspex palm trees <laughs> in various <laughs> colours, all six foot tall? Where, why do you have those? The thing is, I kind of figured at that point they'd been in the attic for so long and had done nothing that I thought, okay, they they need to go somewhere else. I I have become like that with vintage stuff. Sometimes I think I've used it to a point of you know of of I'm I'm done with that. I can move on to someone else, and that's a nice thing. It's a lot, you know. And then there's other vintage things that you get and you wear till they fall to bits, <laughs> and you feel you feel that like you kind of feel that guilt sometimes because it's lasted all those years and then you've sort of destroyed it in a year because you've worn it, you know, every yeah. day. Yeah. But then that's, you know. But then you've loved it and that's it. That's you have point. and that's the thing. Yeah. And you've also not bought new and, you know, it's... And they want it and, to be seen. Like, that's the thing. Like, you, yeah. you keep something for good and then, you know, we talked about this in our, in our first series where you're like, oh, I'll keep that for good and then suddenly something like this happens and you realise... Whoa, it might yeah. all be over and I never wore exactly. that amazing thing. So what, what am I keeping good? it for? It's like we've got lots of vintage stuff in the house in terms of homewares, because that's my, like, I am a big, you know, I'm a, a fan of glass. I've got like 166 glasses. What? For two of us. Absolutely ridiculous. Never have anything in the same glass twice. And then we'll have, I've got little pun, little crystal punch cups that I use for pe- you know I use them for peanuts and stuff I use everything for Aww. different things but because I like to use I think it's nice that things are used you know mm-hmm. but Rob will say why why what is where's that come from why are we having our dinner out of this or why are we having this? 
why am I eating off a 1970s plate again? When <laughs> Even the cutlery, I've got like really nice, you know, I've got cutlery that I got from my wedding, you know, and then I've got all this mishmash of cutlery from the charity shops. Like, I prefer that, you know. I just kind of, I want to use everything I've got, essentially. I've got display cabinets, but I'm not one of those people that, you know, keeps it in display. I think it's all to be loved. and Yeah, I, I think when you like vintage, on. that's what you do. You use it, don't you? Tell me your favourite vintage piece that you have. In terms of clothes or... Clothes and your favourite homeware bit? Clothes, I think it is a 1980s Frank Usher. What Frank Usher? Gold and black puffy sleeved jacket, you know, the big puff sleeves with the velvet cuff. It's actually, I love it so much. I, I wear it all the time. I've had it for about four years only, but I've I wear it over t-shirts or jeans or over big dresses to clash as well. And a guy in a Weatherspoons grabbed it once and went, oh, it's only puffy sleeves. And I was just like, don't touch me. Don't touch, <laughs> don't touch the, the Don't touch the Frank Usher. I was so shocked because I was just, because I, and it, it was just the way he sort of, I don't frequent Weatherspoons pubs that often because vintage outfits of a certain look do get sort of that jacket is quite a piece I know that when I wear it people go oh <laughs> you know that oh goodness me because <laughs> its sleeves are huge they are huge and I, it's like it's more you know it's a wee jacket to wear under a coat and then you take your coat off and you've just got these big puffy I love it because gold it sounds, I love metallics it sounds a little like are. Samantha out of Sex in the City that's what yes, I'm envisaging don't yeah. you think Metallics are underrated as day we are. Oh, totally. Every day we are. It's none of that metallics for Christmas nonsense. You know, for me, I metallics wearing, are an all year round thing. I was wearing a silver metallic Lammy Maxi dress, which was a shirt yes. dress, um, to do the school drop. Um, yes. When was it? But, but just when, when would it have been? Maybe when the boys went back. So it was still warm enough to not wear a jacket. Mm -hmm. And yeah, exa exactly that. I didn't think anything of it because these these fabrics are for daytime yeah. for me and the the wonderful uh lollipop ladies who i adore they were like where, where where's the catwalk and i was like wait what do you mean what <laughs> what oh me I think sorry it's, it's more important just now because we don't have anywhere to go to wear anything yeah. it's more important to yeah. wear sequins to tesco's or something you know it's and, and in terms of homeware i've got lots of stuff i love um, I've got a Meekin coffee set that my dad bought me and that's really special because he bought me it from a charity shop um, when I couldn't afford it as a student and he gifted me it as a surprise and when I'd gone back for it, when I had the money, it wasn't there and I thought it, I'd missed it and then he brought it. So that was really nice. Oh, Meryl. I have a very similar lovely. story about a dress, that's, but it was on early eBay days and I, and I wanted it for my university graduation ball and by the time I went back to eBay, it had gone. And then two days later, my dad Aww. had bought it for me as a surprise. That's so nice, I know. So that yeah. that coffee pot I love. And that's one that I've not really used. It's a, the coffee set. That kind of just it sits on the shelf. But yeah. And now it's lot. even more special. Yeah, so that's really nice. <sighs> okay, what are your... Last question. What are your tips? Vintage shopping is different to, you know, high street shopping because you've got to... You can't just go in and expect it just to be there on the rack and staring out at you. It's very rare that, you know, the piece, you've got to get in and rummage around and 
when I've gone to car boots, uh, Rob's gone taken some stuff back to our car, you know, whilst because I've bought so much in the first five minutes and then come back and find me under, you know, just see my legs under the table. Because there's always stuff that <laughs> sellers have underneath, you know, in boxes and it's always worth getting down and rummaging in there and asking, can I have a look in these boxes or can I, you know. I mean, yes, vintage stores and vintage, you know, all laid out look lovely and if you're that way inclined fine but I think rummaging for vintage is part of the thrill isn't it and finding something that's a bit unique and a bit different also just like with clothes I'd always sort of sniff armpits and stuff as well <laughs> make sure that it's nothing but you know stains don't tend to come out of a lot of vintage clothes I had a horrendously stained um, velvet suit from Armstrong's and the stains were not in a particularly nice place Ooh. in the suit like that was that was like someone in the seventies who obviously didn't want any VPL. Oh, the, the the clothes had never yeah. So yeah, I remember t- I took it to try on. Was just kind of like oh my goodness, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Ooh. So with clothes, definitely have a good sniff and 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 stains they don't tend to come out. You know things like that just don't tend to come out. Well, Meryl, thank you very much for that. Always sniff your the clothes, the armpits of vintage clothes. That is. Maybe lay off the crotch. (laughs)